You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and we are two writers who got our start covering the Chargers over five seasons ago doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. A special thank you to those who are checking out the show today for the first time. We very much appreciate it. And to make sure you never miss a show, make sure to follow the Locked On Chargers podcast wherever you get your podcast from. But today, we're getting into your guys' voicemails, and there's a ton of reactions to Sunday's game. It was a painful one, and the voicemails will show that throughout the show. But we'll start by talking about Mike Williams, and if he's going to get paid now after the season, if he can keep it up, which, spoiler alert, yes. And we'll also talk about, are the players fitting in Brandon Staley's scheme? We'll talk about what the AFC West has been doing and how wild this division looks right now, because we haven't really got to talk about that at all, and much more. But before we get into it, I need to tell you guys, I bet the Locked On NFL Draft Show because it is back with host Eric Crocker, who brings the player scouting, and Ryan Tracy bringing the analytics. Never too early to talk about draft stuff, guys, so make sure to follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on YouTube, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, David, well, we have a bunch of voicemails to get into, and once again, we appreciate you guys you know, calling in and adding your flavor to the show, right, and getting your thoughts, especially venting after a game like we saw on Sunday, so we appreciate it. If you guys want to get your voice on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. So first, why not start with a super fan, super fan one of today's show, because we have a couple. But we're going to start with super fan Zach, who has a really good voicemail for us this week. Hey, guys, it's Zach from Florida. So one bright spot in the game today in our loss to Dallas was another great performance by Mike Williams. He had seven catches for 91 yards and a touchdown today. And last week, he had eight catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. So I want to know from you guys, if he plays like this every week, could you see a possibility of us bringing him back for another year? It's crazy because before the season started, we talked about how this could possibly be his last season with the team and if he was worth $15 million. But look how well he's doing so far. So, again, would love to know if you could see the possibility of us bringing him back if he keeps having this amount of success. So, David, my theory on this whole Mike Williams and if he's going to get paid thing has always kind of been consistent. And it's if he has a great season, you're going to have to really pony up the money. And are you going to be willing to give that up after seeing one really good season, right? Or he's not going to do well and you're not going to re-sign him. But through two games, I mean, he's looked like a completely different player. He obviously fits well in the system. And now it seems like the Chargers kind of need him because he has been one of their most consistent offensive weapons through two weeks. We've seen the Chargers use Mike Williams in different ways than he has been used in the past. And you're really seeing his yards after catch ability. You're seeing him in the short and intermediate routes. And I think later on in the season, you're going to see those deep routes that we're all, we're also accustomed to seeing from Mike Williams. But yes, no question about it, Daniel. If he continues to ball out, he is going to get paid either by the Chargers or another team. Yeah, and I look back at this last free agency period, and I see a Kenny Galladay, right, getting $18 million per season. I mean, Mike Williams this year is about to probably, if he stays healthy, 
at this pace blow away the season that Kenny Galladay had last year, obviously. And the touchdowns will regress a little bit. I don't think he's going to have 17 touchdowns, but he's been the only player that can get in the end zone for the Chargers, so I'm not going to totally discount it. But it's been nice to see that, right? He wasn't a yak threat before this season. I thought on that touchdown last week, he showed really good strength, right, to break that tackle. Mike Williams breaking tackles. And then he beats the safety and gets to the end zone. So, like, that was just so nice to see. And I've been really, really surprised. But, yeah, but the way he's fitting in this system, he looks like a guy they're definitely going to want to bring back. And, you know, he's kind of validating all the people in that building that were telling you how excited they were and just how much they love this guy. Health will be the most important thing for him, though. Let's not get it twisted. He has to stay healthy if he wants to get paid after this year. But let's get to Dana with this voicemail. Calling in from L.A. Let's hear what she has for us. Hey guys, it's Dana from LA, originally from SD. Uh, thanks for the show, guys. Uh, haven't called in a while, but still listening. Um, just, uh, from Sunday's game, a couple questions and comments. Um, are you guys also just noticing a lack of hunger and finishing on tackling and execution? Which part of that probably explains a lot of the, those flags that we got. I know some were bogus, but, you know, in the end, um, it seems like there's still some nerves for the team. Um, also, Joey doesn't seem like himself. Not sure if he's bought in yet to the new system. What do you guys think? I mean, I know he's our key edge defender, but I, I think he does need to help on run D um, and, you know, provide support with that, too. Also, bringing up our run defense, you know, that we've been concerned about always, um, just being put on display this last Sunday, you know, just how much work it really needs moving forward. Do you think teams are going to try to exploit that and what do we do to improve that within the season um also storm norton do you think you should stay at right tackle or should we make some adjustments as teams might you know continue to pick on this if bulaga stays out um i know it's a lot of growing pains thanks guys hope to get some comments on some of my concerns and questions i know we can't control the refs and it's not always we just can't play like we gotta expect calls to go our way we just got to play cleaner and harder, and uh, I think if we can score more um, when the opportunities arise, like in the red zone, um, no amount of flags can stop us. Still believe, bolt up. Bye. Well, Dana, that's a lot to unpack, but we definitely appreciate you calling into the show again. We missed you calling in, and I mean, a lot of people coming back today appreciate you guys hopping back on and giving us some stuff to talk about, but... The one thing I want to talk about specifically here, I don't think there's anything wrong, though, David, with Joey Bosa. I mean, I think, yeah, he definitely had a couple of moments, you know, getting blocked out of the way by a tight end on a touchdown run. Obviously, it doesn't look good. But Joey Bosa is still Joey Bosa. He had some really, really good plays in that game, too. And let's not forget how good he was in week one, because, I mean, I think he had a 60% win rate in the pass rush game in that first week going up against the Washington football team. So Joey Bosa had a really, really good week one. I mean, maybe by his standards, an average game too, but I don't think there's a problem with him fitting into this system. I still think he's going to be on pace for one of his best years. No question about it. I think Joey Bosa is going to come out there and play extremely hard every rep, but understand that teams know that Joey Bosa is one of the best defenders on the Chargers, and they're going to scheme and do everything they can to prevent him from wrecking the game for them because he has that ability on every single play. So, yes, they understand that Joey Bosa is going to try to impact the game and they're going to do everything they can to not let that happen. But Joey Bosa is still going to do Joey Bosa-like things. And one of the things that Dana said that stuck out to me is the lack of hunger for tackling. I I would like to see this defense run and get more downhill and be more physical and initiate contact a little bit more. I hope I see that going forward. 
Yeah, and it's tough because it is a very limited practice time right before the season. But Brandon Steele, did it with the defense with the LA Rams last year with less, you know, ideal conditions as far as COVID was much more talk, you know, thought about last year as far as there was no vaccine or anything like that. The protocol, the protocols were much stricter. They had the best tackling team in the NFL last year. And I mean, some of that has to do with personnel and things like that. But I mean, hung, lack of hunger is hard, right? Because I think they all care and things like that. But I think it's more technique. A lot of high tackles, a lot of guys missing tackles in the open field. The technique has to be much better because that's leading to so many extra yards. And I think you're right. If they play cleaner and harder, they do win these games, right? And I just think that, especially with the penalties and all of that, that played such a big factor. With Storm Norton, though, I will say, I mean, we'll see what it looks like this week, but it's hard to be much worse than Storm Norton was last week. Do they have to experiment with Matt Filer at right tackle? I don't, I mean, I know they don't want to, but at a certain point, you can't just keep letting it happen. And we know Trey Pipkins isn't the answer. So I think that's the tough thing with the tackles because Storm Norton is going to get another shot at it. And you have to hope he plays much better because after that, Brendan Hymas is still an unknown. The left side of that offensive line with Rashawn Slater and Matt Filer has been the strength of the offensive line so far. So it's hard to break that up too, but they're going to have to make some decisions if it keeps up. Cause last week was an unacceptable performance at right tackle. I mean, it was up there with some of the Sam Tevy, Joe Barksdale starts that we saw over the last couple of years, but we do have two more segments to get into and more voicemails to get into. So coming up after this, we'll talk about Tristan Vizcaino. Did he actually have a good game? And we'll also talk about the lack of the deep ball touchdowns that we haven't really been seeing that we saw so often last year. We'll also get into some mental mistakes and all of the penalties and much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is my favorite place to place bets, and right now is the best time to get in on the action, guys, because it's football season, and there's just nothing quite like betting on football. And they have live in-game bets as well, so if you don't like the way it's going, you can change things up, start to fade it a little bit. There's so many different bets you can choose from at betonline.ag and they have tons of contests and bonuses that you guys can go check out right now and they're the number one spot for pro and college football action with the new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football so head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 100 bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use the promo code locked on all caps one word at betonline your online sportsbook experts I also need to tell you guys, there's an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and it's GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or even an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. All you guys have to do is download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. So many of us use gas, guys, so make sure to get the Upside app and use the code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents back per gallon. All right, well, we have a ton of voicemails to get into. One more time, the number for the voicemail is 323-524-7924. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys being on the show every week. It's something we try to get to every week. But let's get to the next one here. And now I want to get to Brian in Columbus, self-proclaimed super fan Brian for Columbus. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, guys. 
Brian in Columbus, Ohio, self-proclaimed super fan. Oh, man, everything Chargers that was good in the world last week was bad in the world this week. They were disgustingly undisciplined. The O-line was bad. The D-line was weak. Kerwin James, Allen, Herbert, Bosa, they all had underwhelming games. And Staley, too, for that matter. I mean, in his press conference, I thought he was going to cry when he was talking about not getting the rest's attention on the illegal shift. I mean, throw the red flag. You know, the worst they can do is tell you it's not reviewable. Just, I was a little upset about that. And I'm disappointed because last week they played like a change team. And then this week they looked like the last, same team the last three years. Um, if you told me they had no punts and, and only scored 17 points, I would never have believed it. I don't know. Uh, one thing I don't understand, uh, this year is the lack of the deep ball. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why they got rid of T. Billy because it's not in the game plan. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, what are your thoughts on Drew Tranquil? I haven't seen much of him. Is he, is he still injured? Um, I don't know. And, uh, you know, how do they score in the red zone with no running game? Um, all, all questions I, I like to know the answer to. Um, but, uh, Samuel Jr., Slater, and Eckler had good games, but I think I was most impressed with the Viz kid. He made all but one of his field goals, and the money one he missed was left, but if he had kicked it straight, it had been blocked anyway. So uh, hopefully you put me on. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So I think, David, as far as Tristan Vizcaino goes, I'm willing to give you a pass on one field goal. And I know yeah, the Chargers lose by three points. He misses that field goal. Obviously, the optics look terrible on that. At the same time, we also know Trey Pipkins, you know, grabbed a guy's face mask and it wouldn't have counted either way. And he probably wasn't going to hit, you know, a 59 yard field goal or whatever it would have been had they accepted that penalty. So I'm willing to let him slide on that. But I want to focus on the deep ball part of this because I actually think the Chargers are getting more chunk plays this season than they were last season already. But at the same time, you're not seeing those Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson runaway long touchdowns. So I think. Even though you are getting a lot of explosive plays, you haven't had that one breakaway touchdown, you know, which means you don't have to do well in the red zone. You don't get stuck in those close quarters where things get tougher down there. You haven't had any of those big, long touchdowns that we saw so many of last year. Yeah, not yet. Not yet is, is what I'm going to say to that. I know everyone wants the long bombs and it's sexy and it's ex- and it's exciting. But the Chargers are throwing the ball down the field. Justin Herbert is throwing for 330-plus yards in each of the first two games of this season. So just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. They are throwing the ball down the field. They're not throwing the 50-60 yard bombs, but they are throwing it 30 and 40 yards down the football field. So I would say just be patient. You're going to see them as we go on in the season. Yeah, and I mean, Keenan Allen in the last game, I mean, say what you will about him. I know you said he had a subpar game, Derwin James, Herbert, Bosa as well. I don't agree with all those, but I think, you know, based on their standards, you know, was it the best game? Probably not. I mean, you don't see Derwin James missing tackles very often, but I do think there is something to not having Tyron Johnson because we talked with, you know, Popper and everyone else about this, just not having T-Billy, and it got kind of talked down a little bit, but I do think there is some lack of speed at that position. I mean, you can still do things without that. You can still hit those long, deep passes. But when Jalen Guyton comes on the field, everyone knows he's the deep threat that's on the field at that time, right? If you have another guy on the other side that still runs a 4-3, like a T-Billy, maybe that loosens things up and one of them could get going. But so far, it seems like teams, when they see Jalen Guyton out there, they're not going to let him 
beat them deep as the team's obvious one deep threat. But doesn't mean you can't get chunk plays. Like I said, Keenan Allen averaged over 25 yards per catch last game, right? It was only four catches. That's still a pretty ridiculous game. Four catches for over 100 receiving yards. But let's get to the next caller here. Let's get to Jay from Vegas, a first-time caller. We love first-time callers. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, how you doing, guys? This is Jay from Vegas, first-time caller. Uh, before I say anything, thank you for the show. Been listening for years. Uh, figured I'd call this time. Uh, crazy game, uh, you know, aside from bad officiating. Uh, you know, I feel there were a lot of mental mistakes in this game, and I noticed there were a lot of mental mistakes in the first game as well, so hopefully, you know, it's just a transition with coaching, but... Hopefully that gets fixed. And uh, what do you guys think on Jerry Tillery as well? Uh, it seems like his game hasn't improved and he was such a liability on the run game. Anyway, uh, thank you for all the uh, all the podcasts. Uh, you guys are awesome. It definitely is a lot of mental mistakes. I mean, penalties, obviously, a lot of the times come from mental mistakes, especially certain ones, right? False starts and things like that. And some are just physical, right? The holding call last week on Jared Cook, that's just because of bad positioning. He had to grab the guy because he couldn't keep the guy in front of him, right? Things like that are just, you're just not able to execute and it's leading to a penalty. And there obviously was some BS ones there as well. But yeah, I mean, a lot of those penalties were justified. But one thing I did look up is that how many penalties that you have doesn't necessarily mean you're a good or a bad team. I mean, last year, Kansas City had the most penalties in the NFL. Baltimore had the second most. Buffalo had the fourth most. Tampa Bay had the 10th most. I would say the one thing about that, David, though, is those good teams can overcome it in those big moments and still win anyways. And I just don't know if the Chargers have been at that level. They showed it a little bit week one, but the least penalties in the league, the Patriots, the second fewest Miami, the Rams were the third fewest. So it's really all over the board. It is all over the board, but one thing always rings true about the penalties, especially on the offensive side, is that they disrupt your momentum. They take away the big plays. Definitely. We saw that happen in this game against Dallas. We saw it happen in the first game against the Washington football team. That is one of the killer things about the offensive penalties in particular is that every time you take three or four steps forward, you're taking a couple steps back and you just can't, you keep on getting in your own way and you can't move down the football field. The Chargers are moving. When they're in rhythm, they're cutting through defenses like a hot knife through butter. But when they have all those mental mistakes, all those penalties, you can't get into an offensive rhythm and you have to try to bail yourself out. That's not how you play winning football. Right. And I'm not saying this to say that the Chargers can keep committing so many penalties, right? Because they can't. Like, they're not so, so talented that they can just keep overcoming. I mean, they still have to be much better. And I think, you know, a lack of penalties probably makes the Chargers 2-0 and right now. And whether or not you think they're bad calls, yes, there were some very bad calls. You still have to be able to overcome those if you want to be a really good team. And the Chargers are going to play some good teams. They'll have to be a good team to beat the teams they have coming up. But let's get now to Curtis Loki, who wanted to call in again. Good to hear from Curtis. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, guys. Curtis Loki, just calling uh, right after that horrible defeat. Um, you know, definitely don't want to be super negative. I mean, there was definitely good things to take away from the game. Uh, one... For me, I watched Kenneth Murray very closely, and I think he played a really good game considering uh, we were able to hold uh, Amari Cooper, you know, under. Uh, Asante Samuel got pretty lucky with a one PI call, but he also got – he still came up with the pick, and he did really well today, so that was nice. You know, unfortunately, Herbert made a bad decision, or I think Keenan Allen slipped on that route. But either way, man, you know, we can blame the refs and all that stuff, but, you know, it was a hard-fought game for 
from two teams that had a lot of injuries, especially significant injuries. So, you know, it sucks, but it is what it is. We got to move on to next week and figure out a way to contain the Chiefs. So, it's a bummer, man. It's hard to watch the Raiders win and the the Denver Broncos win and the Chiefs obviously potentially winning next week. Man, it's just it's a tough day, man. Tough day to be a Chargers fan. I don't want to say same old Chargers, but I think that, you know, with the amount of money that we have leading into next year and the years to come with having Justin Herbert on a rookie contract, I think that, you know, we have a lot of young talent. We just need to continue building on that. Um, This is definitely not a playoff year. Uh, I'm just going to call it right now. I'm not trying to curse the Chargers. I'm just saying I think you can kind of see it. We don't have the pieces necessary to have a true 3-4 defense. Um, Fackrell stepped up today, but, again, he's just a body. Um, But, yeah, man. Look forward to what you guys have to say. Tough win, or I'm sorry, tough loss. But uh, anyway, go Bulls. So I think it's too soon, obviously, to call the playoffs off. I mean, I definitely understand when you see that. You're like, okay, we can't handle a beat-up Dallas Cowboys team. Like, obviously, we're not where we need to be yet, right, if you're the Chargers. At the same time, I mean, we're not going to know if this team is a playoff team until probably around week six or seven, I think we'll have a very good idea because they're going to have some tough teams. They're going to have some chances to prove that they should be a playoff team. But this first stretch is brutal, especially when you look at the other teams in the AFC West, David. And I think although the teams in the AFC West might not be as good as they've played so far, specifically, you know, the Broncos and the Raiders, I think what it does tell you, though, both those teams being 2-0, and is just that neither one of them is a pushover. You're not going to have any pushovers in the division. And we know how important winning your divisional games is to is to making the playoffs later on in the year. A couple of really good teams in this division. The, the Raiders, the past couple of years, they've started off really strong and then they've fizzled out towards the end of the year. The Broncos, we know they have a phenomenal defense and that they're going to be able to stay in pretty much every game as long as they get adequate quarterback play from a guy who's not going to turn the football over, who's going to be able to manage the game. Oh, wait, they have Teddy Bridgewater, and that's exactly what he does. He manages the game and he protects the ball. So that is a very dangerous team. The Chargers need to worry about the Chargers, though, and they need to handle their business, especially in the AFC West, and they have an opportunity to do that against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, first divisional game, it's going to be important because you just feel like they have to take one of these two this season against the Kansas City Chiefs, right, to really – be on the verge of playoffs. And man, would it be sweet if they did it in Arrowhead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be really nice to see it this weekend. And then, you know, everyone would flip back to that side and be like, oh, actually, the Chargers are really good again. But that just kind of is what it is, the ebbs and flows of a season. But the real thing here is for the Chargers not to spiral because with the schedule that they have right now, there's a chance, you know, they could go one and three, one and four. Like these teams aren't pushovers. They have to really try to tread water during these first six, seven eight games so that they can stay in it to make a run down the stretch when their schedule lightens up a little bit, but not a lot of pushover teams there, but we do have one more segment to get into because we do have some more voicemails to talk about. And up next, we're going to talk about if the players are fitting into Brandon Staley's scheme and Joe Lombardi's scheme, or if they're trying to really force the players into that and the players aren't really fit for those schemes. And we'll also talk about trying to fix NFL officiating, which obviously is something you could do a whole show on, but we'll get into that Coming up right after this, but first I need to tell you guys about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports 
movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy any device ever again, and the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I also need to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar out there right now. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bar. And what's very exciting about Built Bar is right now they have a very limited time flavor. You guys can go and get cookie dough chunk. And the best thing about cookie dough chunk is that my fiance got the package for my cookie dough chunk three days ago and just told me about it today. So she is a thief and I'll have to, you know, deal with that and hide the next batch from her. But it's not just the cookie dough chunk, even though that is a great new flavor. There's so much variety with Built Bars because you can go mint brownie, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, coconut almond. There's so much variety, so many flavors to choose from. So you can always keep switching things up and they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And even though they taste so good, you feel like you should feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel guilty with Built Bars because most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. And right now we can even save you guys some money on the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, we have some more voicemails to get into to wrap up the show. A lot of different points to talk about today, and that's what I love about the voicemails is even though everyone has, you know, the same takeaways from a game, too many penalties, turnover sucks, certain guys aren't playing well, but you get something different from every voicemail, and that's why I like doing these things, and it helps us get to cover things that we might not be able to spend a full segment on. So let's get into these next voicemails here, and let's get to a classic here. We have Deuce from Vegas. Let's hear what Deuce has for us. What's up, y'all? Deuce from Las Vegas calling in. Uh, thanks again for providing us with this platform. Uh, this is my first time calling in this season, and it really sucks that it has to be after a pretty tough loss, but uh wanted to get y'all's takes on three things. Um, first of all, the penalties. Obviously, super disappointing performance today, um, and I get it. There was definitely a lot of questionable officiating going on, but even if you take away half of those flags, you're still talking about six penalties, which is just so many different errors to try and come back from. So it was really disappointing to see us play that undisciplined today. Uh, moving forward, want to talk about Justin Herbert. Uh, obviously, y'all know how I feel about him. I think he's a generational-type talent. That being said, he has more interceptions than touchdowns um, on the season. And so I don't think it's necessarily because he's playing – bad. I think it's because he's having a tough time picking up this new system, which leads me to the last thing I want to talk about, which is the coaching staff. It's pretty apparent that they're trying to have um, these players fit into their scheme instead of having, um, you know, adjustments be made on the fly and making it so that the scheme fits the player. Um, You know, Justin Herbert is a different type of quarterback than Drew Brees. And we don't have a guy like Aaron Donald on our defensive line. So making sure that we put the players that we have on our roster in the best position to succeed is something that this coaching staff definitely needs to figure out, um, especially heading into uh, a tough game next week with the Chiefs. Um, regardless, though, y'all know that it's Chargers all day, every day. So thanks again for providing us with this platform. And uh, bolt up, baby. So, I mean, there's a lot to get into here, obviously. Yes, too many penalties. 
Justin Herbert at this point has thrown more interceptions and touchdowns, and we talked about it yesterday a little bit, but I'm not worried about Justin Herbert at all. I feel like I've seen things from him this year that makes me believe in this system a lot, even though, yeah, you have to cut out the interceptions and things. Some of the throws that we've seen Justin Herbert make this year with as ridiculous as his rookie season was, I don't think we see him make those throws. Like We've just seen so many wow throws from Justin Herbert so far, but Really, David, I mean, when it comes to the scheme, I think the hard thing is you haven't seen a lot of specific players who look much better than they have in years past, right? We know how good Joey Bosa is. We know how good Derwin James is. I would say Kazir White's looked much better in this scheme than he ever did in Gus Bradley's, right? But it's really too soon to tell, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to here is we have a two-game sample size. I like what they've done with a lot of the personnel groups. At the same time, it's too hard to make any kind of judgment after what we've seen so far. Yeah, it definitely is. And also, I just want to take you guys back to before the season started and all the players that said they were so excited to play in this Brandon Staley defense. Guys like Kenneth Murray and Justin Jones and Linval Joseph. And the list goes on and on and on. All these guys were really excited about what they were going to be able to do. So I don't know if it's much of a problem with the players fitting to the scheme or vice versa. I just think we need a little bit more time. They need a little bit more time to see what that product looks like. Let them make mistakes, make adjustments, and see what that looks like going forward. Well, I think the tough thing, too, is just that Brandon Staley has set a very high, you know, standard for himself because they didn't have a perfect roster, right, with the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, they had Jalen Ramsey, and yes, they had Aaron Donald, but there was a lot of guys that nobody had ever heard of that had their best years under Brandon Staley, and we just haven't seen that so far yet, right? I mean, there's just not a lot of players that have looked much better. At the same time, at a certain point, you have to have the personnel to do it. You have to win your one-on-one matchup that's right in front of you. And I thought that when he was talking in the press conference, one thing that stood out to me is him just saying, like, at the first level, which is the defensive line, we miss things, which made the guys at the second level miss things, right? And then that trickles down to the third level and all of that. So, like, when the defensive linemen aren't winning their one-on-one matchups that they're getting, it can kind of derail things. And so far, it just doesn't look like the Chargers do have those guys on the interior of the defensive line to get things done to kind of get this defense to click. And I think that's just... One of the things that we were worried most about going into the season, David, is just how much production are you going to get from the interior of that defensive line? And we just haven't seen it from those guys yet, right? Jerry Tillery hasn't looked good. I mean, Limbaugh Joseph has been fine. Christian Covington's had a couple of plays. When you're getting those chunk plays other teams are getting in the running game, that's just something that means that you're just not sturdy enough up front right now. So I don't know if it has as much to do with the scheme right now as much as these players just not winning those one-on-one matchups plus adding in all the penalties and all that stuff that's been hindering the charges as well. But we do have one more voicemail to get into here, bringing up a very interesting point about how we can maybe fix NFL officiating, because obviously we all know how frustrating it was to watch that last weekend. Let's hear what Richard has for us. Hey guys, this is Richard. First time, a uh, long time. Um, but I just wanted to uh, give my thoughts and, uh, on the Dallas game and touch on the uh, officiating yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it seems like the Chargers, when they go get a good win on the um, East Coast or wherever, and their confidence gets and their confidence gets up too high, they seem to kind of have a letdown game the next week. But anyway, that's just my thoughts and um, on on that issue. But as far as the officiating goes, why in the world 
is the NFL not working towards artificial intelligence type of officiating, or at least assisted officiating? They have the contracts. They have the relationships with uh, Amazon Web Services and uh, all the big IT companies to make that happen. Um, Personally, I don't know what the big deal with next generation stats if the game isn't called consistently. I saw a lot of pass interferences that weren't called and vice versa. And, yeah, Justin Herbert, uh, sack call at the end of the game, ridiculous. Just, yeah, there's have no words for that. But I don't know why they can't work on something like that to assist the refs in making calls because everything happens real fast. Like, they need to invest in the technology that we have available. But, anyway, I think that would totally be a game changer because I'm so sick and tired of seeing uh, games decided by bad officiating. I mean, I thought that game was as bad as the Ed Hockley call over a decade ago. So, anyway, just my thoughts. Hopefully you guys can comment on that. Any feedback would be appreciated. Thanks, guys. I mean, all robots. Let's get all the robots out there and just have the robots do everything. No, Right I, now. <laughs> to a certain extent, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's certain plays... We're having that technology would absolutely help, but it is a fine line because obviously we know if every penalty was automated and you could just call every penalty by using a robot, it would be an unwatchable product. There would be a penalty on literally every play. There'd probably be like four holding penalties on the offensive line with two defensive pass interferences on the other team. Everything would just be canceling out on every play. But at the same time, the fact that we don't know when somebody crosses the goal line, right? When somebody breaks the plane, when you have chips in the balls already, when you have, you know, 55-year-old dudes on the sideline moving the chains and spawning the ball with their 55-year-old eyes over there, right? And just kind of being like, yeah, that looks about right. Like, a lot of that stuff is super archaic in the chart. Then the NFL could change it, David. And it just seems like they're not in a big rush. They are trying some things. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of it could be fixed by some of the technology. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the technology, I don't want games to be decided by penalties. And that's where I think the technology can step in and try to make sure that we get those particular type of plays and those calls correct. But the NFL, I think, wants some of that nuance. They want some of that human element in the game. They are old school in that respect. They are they do use technology in some instances, but I do feel like there's some areas where technology would greatly improve the product. When it seems like right now they only want to use the technology to kind of track things, Instead of like trying to really improve things, like it doesn't seem like that's their main focus. Because yeah, there's enough technology to do all sorts of things. Like last week, right when Justin Herbert arm was going forward, it was obvious. I mean, there's a several you know frames, and you're talking milliseconds, right, where his arm is coming forward. But a computer would have definitely known that. If there's a sensor in the ball, you're gonna know if that sensor starts moving forward. That should. There's no reason for calls like that to be missed. And yet they're not using the technology that they could to make sure it's not missed, right? Yeah, humans are going to make mistakes, have backup plans, have guys there to kind of correct them, especially on crucial plays like you're talking about that could decide games. So like there's certain things 100% that could be vastly improved by the technology. The NFL is just slow to getting to that stuff. So unfortunately, it seems like for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to stick with the regular human officials where you're going to get different crews calling different things inconsistently on a week-to-week basis and there always would be something to be frustrated about but this year has gotten off to a particularly tough start especially 
for the Chargers and some of the calls they've had go against them. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We appreciate you guys calling in. And if you guys want to be the next voice on the Locked on Chargers podcast, the number again is 323-524-7924. And make sure you guys check back in tomorrow because it's crossover Thursday with David going to join the Locked on Chiefs podcast and Chris Clark over there to get some enemy information, go behind enemy lines, get some inside info. And to make sure you guys don't miss it, make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast from. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the new Odyssey app, Google Podcasts, or pretty much anywhere you get them. And make sure to rate and review if you like the show as well. We very much appreciate it. But you can also find the show on all of our social media. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. You can also find the show's Twitter at LockedOnLAC. And you can also find the show on our new at LockedOnChargers Instagram page and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. But make sure you guys are back here tomorrow for Crossover Thursday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.